Welcome again to Real Talk with Real Life. This is your host, Ryan Riggs, and today I got a couple special guests. We got Rodney, who was a guest previously, uh, Rodney Rowan Sr., and also Richard Brinkley Jr. Uh, both of these guys frequent the Real Life Community Center um, and, you know, come up here and hang out and are kind of a part of our, our family here. And so I wanted to sit down with both of them today and kind of talk about, um, you know, the role that community plays in recovery. And so, uh, first, I want to welcome you, Richard. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. And welcome, Rodney. Thank you, Ryan. All right, so we know a little bit about you, Rodney, but we don't know too much about Richard yet. So I kind of want to let Richard give a little a, a brief uh, history of, of his story to kind of let uh, the listeners know who he is. All right, well, my name is Richard. I'm not originally from Richmond. I'm from uh, Tyler area, Portsmouth, Virginia. I started coming to Richmond around 2011, 2012 for work, and uh, also because the um, because of the drugs were better here, honestly. So um, ended up getting some trouble, got incarcerated, um, got out, went right back to the same old thing. Then I ended up uh, getting incarcerated again about a year later for the same for the same thing due to my uh, my drug addiction. And um, when I got locked at that time, <clears throat> I was introduced actually to the real program in the jail, and. Um, End up going through that program, which was through Richmond Drug Court as well, and then uh, from that point on, I kind of turned a new turned a new leaf, and um, was doing things as I thought were thought they were supposed to be done, and um, things came real easy to me at that time. Job, the recovery aspect, giving back. Then it got to a point to where I kind of stopped doing that. I got away from my network. I got away from you know doing things like that, and it, it was my downfall. So I, I relapsed after two and a half years of having clean. <clears throat> but um, then I got incarcerated again through drug court. I got um, revocated, so I had to start the program all the way over. Um, I was four months away from graduating and had to start over. And um, so when I got out of jail this time, I, um, I just did things a lot differently. You know, when I went in, I seen a thing, I'll never forget it. It said, um, don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And that's something that I was doing. Like, my ego was so big. It's like, I'm Richard. I can get away with this. I can do that because I'm me, which obviously that wasn't the case. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> so when I got out, my, you know, when I went in and I seen that and I was in there for a little bit, um, the one thing that I, I hold close to me now that I told myself was that I got to get honest with myself and in doing that, to get honest with others. So <clears throat> this time around, I... Um, I stuck to that, you know, not 100%. I say about 97% of the time I'm honest about what I'm speaking on if somebody asks me a question. <clears throat> and also for me this time, you know, I, I've, I, got, I got a better network, people I surround myself with. And I look at it like if you're not trying to do the same things that I'm trying to do in life, I really don't have the time to deal with you. There's nothing against you personally. And um, <clears throat> people, places, and things play a big role in a lot of people's recovery. But I know for me, um, no matter where I go in this world, no matter what I do, I take me with me. So it starts with me. And um, <clears throat> I'm getting to the root of that. I mean, I still have work to do, granted. Um, but today, allowing things to happen in my life, not using as my number one job, is not to put one in me. And doing that, things have came in, came in action, and I couldn't be happy with myself. You know, that's a little bit about me. All right, so and that's exactly what we're here to talk <clears throat> about today, the last kind of last part that you were talking about, which was the role that... Uh, changing the people, places, and things that you're around, and the role that, uh, you know, because essentially here in the Richmond area, we're lucky. We got a large recovery community. 
uh, all different types of 12-step programs, all different types of community-based organizations. Uh, there's just a ton of different uh, things to get involved with. And I, you know, the reason I asked both of you guys here is because I see you when I'm out. You know, I see you here. Y'all, I, I consider you both friends of mine, but I, uh, me and Richard spend, you know, we spend time together, you know, on the lake or whatever we, yeah. <laughs> we do too. And so uh, I see you guys out there, but I'm, I'm interested to, um, you know, talk to you guys because I think the message that's in, important to get out to anybody that's struggling with this problem that we struggle with is the importance of um, and the power of the community, the we part of, of you know, whatever program that we decide to be in. And so, um, you know, I, I just really want to get that message out there. So what is what has that uh, looked like for you, Rodney, since you've been around, the community aspect of uh, recovery? Well, First of all, with me, you know, you have to uh, allow yourself to realize that you're powerless and that you need help. And then you have to realize also that you have to dig deep in your soul and learn to be acceptable in what you what part you played in your drug addiction. Right. And once you, you know, be acceptant, acceptable of it, you know, with me, it helps me to move a lot freely and also to open myself with those that's either like me or even worse than me. And you run across a lot of them in the community that you involve yourself in. And like Richard said, change your people, places, and things, it's a very important aspect because if you go to the same barbershop that you usually go to, you're definitely going to get a haircut eventually. <laughs> All right, and so... <laughs> Um, and this can be for both of you guys, whoever, whoever wants to answer this can, um, but both of you can answer it. But I guess one of the things that I want to talk about is how do you navigate when you run into old people, places and things? Like, what do you do? Like, how do you, because that's a question that people ask me a lot, because I deal with a lot of people that are new in recovery and they, they, um, they have a hard time getting away from people because they don't want people to feel a certain type of way about them or they don't want to hurt nobody's feelings and make them think they're better than them. So, um, you know, when you had to kind of cut ties with some of the people in your past that were detrimental to your recovery, uh, how did you do that? And, and what does that look like today? Well, with me, um, I have accepted the responsibility that I cannot and will not involve myself with those that I was around during my addiction and caused they didn't cause me, I caused myself to end up where I was. So with that being known, that my walk is totally different than my walk was before. And when people see me, they can see it upon my whole body that I have changed entirely. They can look at me, look at my face, and look at the things that I do and the way I carry myself that is totally different than what I was when I was in my addiction. Yeah, I can um, piggyback off that. I mean, it's the same way, you know, when, when you see people from your past, because like me, when the way I went in the street, you know, if you see me, well, I was doing no good. If you didn't see me, I was either locked up, pretty much locked up, or I was trying to do right. So when I see people from my past, if they haven't seen me in a while, and they approach me, it shows in your walk what you're doing, you know. Um, and even if it is a conversation, I let them know, look, I'm not about that no more, and I'm not a disrespectful about it, and... Um, like one time, I'll give an example. I was walking down Broad Street and I had a guy that I knew when I was using. And um, he approached me and said, hey, man, how you doing? You look good. I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing what I need to do. He's like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, you know. I said, I'll holler at you later. So I'm walking back down Broad late on the afternoon. It's the same guy asked the same question. 
And um, so I tell him, yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll see you when I see you. So I think it was the next day, the same dude. He asked me, are you good? I'm like, yo, I'm like, no disrespect. That's not what I'm doing today. I said, when you see me, it's either, hey, how you doing? If, if it ain't more than that, just keep it moving. You know, um, you don't have to be disrespectful about it, in my opinion. I mean, um, I'm big on, if I see somebody doing something I want, that's who I want to hang around with. If I want to own a business, I'm not going to hang around somebody that works for somebody. I'm going to hang around somebody that owns a business and learn how to get that. You know, um, I'm big on that. And it's uh, it's all about who you surround yourself with. You know, I, when I was a kid, I had a teacher one time. <clears throat> and it, uh, she said, if you can't change the people around you, then change the people around you. And it took me like 10 years to even realize what she was saying. You know, that goes in with the people, places, and things. Yes. If I'm yes. hanging around the same people and I don't like what they're doing, I just have to change them people. They're not conducive to what I'm doing in my life. You know, today I surround myself with positive people that, that have what I want, you know, and uh, it's working for me today. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to piggyback off that too, which is, you know, when I got to recovery, like I literally had absolutely no idea how to live as a productive member of society. I knew how to live inside of an institution. I could thrive in there, you know, but as far as, um, you know, paying bills, you know, I didn't have custody of my kids at the time. So uh, being a father even, um, being a responsible uh, employee, coming to work on time, you know, all of, the, all of these types of things I had no idea how to do. And so, you know, uh, somebody broke it down real simple to me uh, one day, they said, Everything that you ever learned, even down to your emotions, right, and the way that you emotionally react to situations, you learn from somebody else. Whether it be your parents, everything, every information that you learn, you learn in school from a book, and even that book was written by somebody, so that came from somewhere, right? So you, you learn everything that we learn, we learn from somebody else, right? And so they said, so if you don't know something, then the only way to learn it is through other people. And so that's, that's one of the things that kind of began to solidify my recovery was, I, number one, I realized that I had no idea how to how to how to live this life clean, and number two, that there were some people that did know how to do it, you know. And so I what I what I made it my mission to do, much like you said, Richard, about the business thing, is I made it my mission to put myself around people that had overcome the obstacles at which that I'm facing at this time, and um, and it has been you know a life changer for me. You know, when I got here, I didn't have my kids. I got my kids now. I didn't have a license. I got my license now. All of this stuff wasn't some grand idea that Ryan got, right, it was, I seen other people doing it, I said, dang on, I want that, you know, and then I w approached those individuals, surrounded myself with them, and then let them show me how they did it, you know, and it has, um, it has completely transformed my life, you know, um, and I see you guys doing that, you know, I watch, I watch you guys, I watch, you know, Richard, I know you're in school, you know, you're chasing after one of your dreams, uh, in, in, in the culinary field, and, uh, you know, so, uh, how did that come about for you? I know for me, um, ever since I was a kid, I mean, my grandma liked to cook and bake, and that was some of my fondest memories growing up. And uh, she was like my, she was my best friend. You know, even in my active addiction, you know, or whatever I was doing, she, uh, I could talk to her about anything. She knew everything about me. She knew things that I had no clue how she knew them, you know. And um, and she passed, and it, it just took a toll on me. And um, so it got to a point where you know, getting a little older. And um, you know, I have trades. I know, I know, I'm, I know, I can do a lot of different things, but I never set my my goals on one specific thing. So um, I was working two jobs, you know, about 80, 85 hours a week, and I stopped working one, and I didn't work for like one of the jobs for like a month and a half. And I was like, you know what? 
let me go talk to these people about school, about getting into college and see what it takes. So I went up there and this is how things work in my life, you know. I make decisions based on talking to people and just letting it play out and how it works is how it works. That's how I feel, you know, that's how I feel it works for me. So I went up there and I talked to the people about the school, when it started, and uh, I was enrolled that day. And I started a month later. And um, it's something I have a legit passion for. And uh, I enjoy it. Always have. And uh, I'm looking forward to taking that to the next level. I mean, things are already working in my life towards that, you know. And um, it's just something that, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to. And, and, it's, and it's through this process that that's available. You know, I, um, I do things today based off what I feel is right in my heart. You know, when I when I do things, I talk, like I said, I talk to people. You know, I, I um, a major decision, I just don't make it on a split second. You know, I mull it over. I let it work itself out. And, um, and up until this point, you know, it hasn't steered me wrong. And if it doesn't work out, there's another route I'll take. You know, but I have people in my life that, uh, that can help me with them decisions. And, um, and I'm great. I'm truly grateful for that today. Yeah, so I listened to a thing the other day that was talking about, I think me and you talked about this the other day, Richard, but, um, you know, they were saying basically, you know, look around at your circle, you know, are the people that you're around, you know, fanning your flames, right? Are they uh, trying to increase the, the, the breath of your fire, right? Like to make it bigger or are they trying to uh, douse water on your flame, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and I think that um, that's an important thing that I try to think about every day and, uh, you know, I'm always analyzing the people that I surround myself with. I, I, you know, the Bible says, uh, there's a verse in the Bible that I, I'll never forget this. I was in jail, and uh, this guy showed me this verse, you know, and broke it down to me, but it's, it's in Amos, and it says, uh, you know, how can two walk together except they agree, you know? And, um, you know, how can, how if I'm going one way and you're going the other, you know, we, we, we can't walk together, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, that's just yeah. basic. You know, and so, um, you know, so what kind of people are you surrounding yourself with today, Rodney? Well, the people that I surround myself with are people that walk in the same way I'm walking, that has a positive attitude about their recovery. If you don't have a positive attitude about your recovery, then you can't affect mine because mine is going to overpower yours, mm -hmm. and I know that I'm going to have to go a different way because the fact is that I know my status as being in recovery and I want to be with somebody that has the same walk that I have and has the same compassion for other people to help them along the way that are struggling. I mean, that's part of your recovery is that once you can realize that you have accepted the life that you need to have in order to maintain recovery, then you can reach out to try to help somebody that's struggling that doesn't know the route that they need to take to get to where you are. And with doing that, you feel, I feel great within myself that I have been able to save one soul that's drowning and has wanted to change and come and get a new way of living that I can pull along with me. As long as they've been acceptable of the life that I'm trying to choose and they want to join it, then I can help them out. All right, and so lastly, while before we close, um, you know, what kind of message would you guys have for somebody that is, you know, kind of new to the recovery world, right? And uh, you know, is is 
and they're number one trying to break the chains of the old people that they hung with and number two because this is its own animal in itself trying to get reestablished in a new community uh, of recovery because that's kind of uncomfortable for a lot of people it was for me you know but I, I managed to overcome it um, and I still do on a daily basis sometimes I still get uncomfortable but uh, what message would you have for those people um, you know that are kind of going through that transitional process of uh, doing away with the old and embracing the new I know for me, um, been like I said before, is honesty. Not only honest with yourself, but others. You know, it's it's a lot easier. You know, when you start off with a lie, you got too much to remember. You know, that's how I look at it. I'm not trying to remember everything I've said. You know, um, the honesty piece. You know, get a network, positive people, um, people, and, and be able to accept criticism. You know, just so I can give an example with Ryan in general. Like a year and a half ago, I was in a situation, and Ryan was like, "Hey, man, you you know." Then that's such a good idea. He really didn't come at me in no negative way, but he made it known that he was like, probably not might be the best thing, and and that was a part of my behavior. You gotta look at your behaviors, and at that point, I wasn't ready to do that, and that ended that led to my relapse. And um, but yeah, just stay positive, get with people, get phone numbers. You know, if you need a ride, call. I mean, catch the bus to a meeting. But persistence is key in this process, you know, and being open minded and willingness for me, you know. Um, I mean, it's time for a change, and obviously, the way that you've been living your life hasn't been working in your favor. So, take some suggestions, get somebody's back pocket, you know. Piggyback off of Rich, Richard, it's just like he says you know, you have to get phone numbers. You dial them, you don't follow them. You have to mingle them with positive people that has the same idea that you have to, in making your life better. When we're doing that, like they say, make 90 meetings in 90 days. It means a lot because of the fact is that if you go to various meetings, you're going to meet somebody that you want to jump in their pocket because they got something that you truly want and that's going to impact your life the way you want it to be. And, and, and that's part of the whole ordeal is to learn to listen and listen to learn because when you learn something, you very rarely forget it. It's just like riding a bicycle. Once you learn to ride a bicycle, you're going to always learn. And that's the same way how we did being out on the street. Once we became a street person, that was our life. But now I'm trying to change mine, which I didn't realize it was that bad. But and being incarcerated, it brought a lot of things to the forefront that I had to accept about my life and realize that all the people that I may have hurt and harmed, that I had to ask for forgiveness. But first I had to forgive me. And once in doing that, I could accept the responsibility entirely from doing that aspect. All right, and the last message I got for, for the listeners out there is, um, you know, it is common, very common to be uncomfortable when we're changing the old people and places and things and replacing them with new ones. Uh, everybody goes through it. I went through it. Rodney went through it. Richard went through it. Every person that I know that is in recovery goes through that tough time in the beginning where we feel uncomfortable around new people. Uh, we don't really know who we are, so we're afraid that you might find out who. I don't know how it all works, but it's a whole lot of discomfort, right? Um, and so just know that you ain't alone. Everybody's been through that. Um, and also know that with discomfort comes growth, you know, um, you know, what I had to understand for me was is that for a long time, I would rather be comfortable dying than uncomfortable living, you know, and, um, you know, I had to I had to eventually challenge that idea 
you know, and and, and, and and I didn't have to break out of my comfort zone all at one time, you know, I just had to take one step outside of it and then take another step once I got comfortable there and another step once I got comfortable there. And I think Richard hit it right on the head, persistence, consistency, showing up, talking to people, um, just doing it day in and day out. And eventually you develop those relationships um, that kind of catapult and help uh, nurture us and, um, you know, help us grow in our recovery. So uh, thank you for listening today. I want to thank Richard and Rodney for being here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And, you. and uh, catch us next time on the next segment of Real Talk with Real Life. Thanks for tuning in.